Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Sponsored by AT&T. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, how Toys R Us could impact the next presidential race and the biggest secret behind Amazon's search for a second headquarters. The first shadows and banning them and Twitter. Last week, House Republicans took steps to invite Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey to come testify on Capitol Hill over allegations that the social media platform has engaged in something called shadow banning. So in short, the allegation is that Twitter is limiting the reach of some conservative accounts, not by actually banning the accounts, which Twitter is known to do in some cases, but by minimizing their prominence, for example, by not displaying them in its search box. So while you can still tweet as much MAGA as you want, not as many people will necessarily see it. Now, Twitter denies that any of this has to do with political bias and instead says it's related to an algorithm that's designed to discourage the sharing of misinformation, kind of a moderating algorithm, and that some conservative accounts got unfairly caught up in it, not due to what they tweeted necessarily, but by the actions of those who interacted with those tweets. So, for example, if I were to tweet about the Red Sox beating the Yankees four straight and it's suddenly retweeted by 100 pro-Trump bots or by Infowar diehards, I could have a problem. So Republicans basically want Twitter to explain itself and maybe give themselves a do-over from when they displayed so little tech savvy during this past spring's Facebook hearings. Why it matters beyond Twitter's stock price is that social media presents itself as this new national commons where all of us gather to share information and ideally debate ideas or at least yell ideas. But if half the country becomes convinced that the commons are tilted, then it might as well just become the online version of cable news. And no one wants that. In 30 seconds, we'll go deeper on this with Axios tech reporter David McCabe, who broke news of the request for Dorsey last week. But first, this from AT&T. Picture this. You're the CEO of a multinational corporation, and you realize that nearly half of your 254,000 employees, many of whom are your friends and neighbors, have jobs that will be obsolete by 2020. That's exactly what happened at AT&T a few years ago, and it's what inspired them to find a way forward with the biggest job reskilling investment in modern American history. Future Ready is AT&T's $1 billion web-based learning initiative designed to teach existing employees the skills necessary to compete in a software-driven world. Stick around and we'll tell you how it's going. And we're joined by Axios Tech reporter Dave McCabe, who first broke news last week about the congressional interest in having Jack Dorsey come testify in front of Congress. So, David, let me start with this. Did Twitter shadow ban conservative accounts? You know, I think more than the semantics of did they or didn't they shadow ban or, or was it a shadow ban, it's helpful to understand exactly what Twitter did, which, as you said, is to limit people, they say, based on behavior, not based on content, and to limit their reach basically just through the auto-suggestion in the search box, not by blocking their account or making it harder to see their content or even downranking their content beyond saying you can't find them through the, the autocomplete in search. They seem to kind of be caught, and not just Twitter, but Facebook, a lot of these companies, between a rock and a hard place. On on the one hand, when misinformation spreads on their platform, they get justifiably, you know, slammed for it publicly. But on the other hand, when they take steps and kind of try to take these automated steps to stop it, to moderate it, they get slammed by those who are being moderated, arguably unfairly. Yeah, the, these platforms are in a tough spot. And I think it underscores just how unprecedented this challenge is. The scale at which these platforms, more Facebook than Twitter, exist is so big that nobody has really addressed these questions at this scale before. It's interesting. You've got conservatives who are arguing that Twitter is basically against them and is aligned against against them, maybe because of the political leanings of their employees, most of whom are based in Silicon Valley. But it's also the platform that the current 
Republican president uses most, most of all, to share his own messages. Right. And obviously, Twitter has been a popular platform for people all across the political spectrum. And I I actually think that's a really important point, which is that this is a fight that these social media companies keep having. Facebook had it several years ago around the trending topics feature, which was this human curated bar on the side of the news feed that said, here's what's trending. Which they killed ultimately, right? Which they killed, right. I mean, it, it was sort of a slow decline from this controversy. So the right has frequently brought up these concerns. And I've covered this beat now for several years, and I've covered several rounds of this. And there's been no obvious development. The charges are effectively the same, that these platforms are biased against conservatives. The methods are effectively the same. You know, conservative media jumps all over it. Lawmakers get involved. It's deja vu a little bit for these platforms. And I think there's no sign of that changing, of this cycle sort of moving moving forward. Speaking of the deja vu, if Dorsey comes to testify, the topic here, and Zuckerberg got asked about this a little bit during the Facebook hearings, but it seems a little bit more akin to the so-called diamond and silk hearings when they testified about claiming that they had basically been banned or blocked by Facebook. Did we learn anything from that particular hearing? You know, these hearings have been, there have now been two hearings, one with the platforms directly and one, as you mentioned, with Diamond and Silk and some other folks. These hearings have been really, really heated and brought in some pretty fringe elements. I mean, Gateway Pundit, I believe, was cited in the last hearing, the one with the platforms. And before that, I mean, this Diamond and Silk hearing was just so ridiculous. I mean, it was just so heated. And I, I think, you know, there was a moment in which one conservative lawmaker, you know, Democrats kept saying, there's no evidence of this. There's no evidence of this. And one one lawmaker, I remember, just said, you know, the evidence is right here. The evidence is in front of us. And, and that's sort of this intractable moment, right, where some people yeah. are convinced that this thing is happening and others are convinced that it is not. I will say, having covered this for a long time, there's never been strong evidence that liberal engineers have built in a political bias to the algorithmic systems that run these platforms. Can I ask, so we wouldn't know though, right? So let me be the devil's advocate on this, which is, you know, Twitter says that, Facebook says that, they said this isn't how our code is built, but there's no third party independent verification of what's actually in their code one way or the other, right? I mean, obviously they're very hesitant to let people audit their Yeah, they're not, not going to send generally. Congress a file. Right. And I, and as far as I know, nobody has done an audit. Um, so yes, it is the companies say this, but there have been allegations, particularly in trending topics, with regard to the human sections of these, the human curated sections of these sites, that there have been allegations of bias against real people by people inside, or at least one person inside these systems. You know, we just haven't seen anyone make allegations or blow the whistle on any systemic bias built into the algorithm on purpose. David, two quick uh, scale one ten questions. Just give me numbers first. How much of this is Kevin McCarthy trying to solidify his kind of conservative bona fides because he wants to be speaker? Probably about a seven. One more. Uh, the odds one to ten that Jack Dorsey will indeed come testify in front of Congress. So you know, I think that Twitter. No, has I, been it's making... a number. Give me a number. <laughs> well, the 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 number is probably pretty high. It's probably like a nine because we have a source saying uh, that he's confirmed to testify in front of Senate Intelligence. Uh, whether or not he testifies in front of the House on this issue, I think it's probably more uh, uh, six or seven. Thank you very much, to David McCabe. My final two on the 2020 presidential race and Amazon HQ2 is coming in 30 seconds. Okay. Here's where AT&T's Future Ready program stands. Around 140,000 employees are currently retraining for jobs of the future. People like Jim, a grandfather of five, are learning competitive skills like Scrum. Now, more than half of AT&T's technology management jobs are filled by retrained employees. It matters because 90% of maturing companies expect digital disruption, but less than half of them are preparing for it. AT&T is different. With one of the largest workforces in the world, AT&T wants the best in people, not machines or algorithms, to lead the way. 
Now it's time for my final two. And first up is Toys R Us, the dear departed retailer that could play an unexpected role in the 2020 presidential race. One possible contender for the Democrats is former Massachusetts Governor Deval Patrick, who now works at private equity firm Bain Capital, which used to own Toys R Us until the company went bankrupt. So suffice to say, it's not the sort of thing that's considered a resume booster right now among Democrats, particularly as the party's left wing gains more prominence. Here's how Patrick addressed the issue yesterday when asked by CNN's Jake Tapper. I describe myself as a capitalist. I'm not a market fundamentalist. I don't think markets solve every problem just the right uh, way. But I do believe in opportunity. I think we need an economy that is expanding and is expanding out so it reaches people on the margins, not just up. The bottom line here is that's a good argument for winning a debate on capitalism or on private equity, but maybe not a great one for winning the Democratic primary, let alone a debate. And finally, lots of cities are still in the running to be home to Amazon's second headquarters, which could come with thousands of new white-collar jobs. But just what those cities are offering, for example, big tax breaks, has been a closely guarded secret, and sometimes elected officials can't even find out, let alone media folks. The reason for this, as the New York Times' Julie Creswell reported yesterday, is that a lot of these bids were basically handled by private groups, like local chambers of commerce, that aren't subject to Freedom of Information Act requests. Now, it's a ridiculous situation, given that it could be shielding millions of possible tax breaks and other incentives, but it is why we keep hearing all sorts of speculation over what city will win the auction, but almost nothing on what they're bidding. And we're done. Big thanks to producers Adam Gracia and Tim Shovers. Please be sure to follow us all day at Axios.com and sign up for my pro rata newsletter at signup.axios.com. Have a great National Root Beer Float Day, and we'll be back tomorrow with another pro rata podcast.